so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. So it's looking at how can we help women be disciples of Jesus Christ that leverage all that they are in every area of their lives for Him. So head, heart, hands, we want their thinking, we want their feeling, and we want their living to be for Jesus Christ. Hi, I'm Trillia Newbell, and I'm excited to announce our series, Better Together. The series captures our desire to partner together as men and women in the church and beyond to advance the kingdom with mutual support and care. Better Together will address a wide range of topics from sexual abuse, leadership, women in work, women's ministry, and so much more. Our goal is to inform and equip listeners on matters most important to women in the areas of church, home, and work. Before we get started, if you hear knocking, I am in Nashville, Tennessee, where everything is being torn down and rebuilt. (laughs) So that's the construction you might hear. But better than the construction, we have Jennifer Kittner with us, and I'm so excited. She has become a dear friend of mine. She is also the former dean of women for the Master's University and continues to be an adjunct professor. She is also holds a doctorate of education from Southern Seminary. So thank you so much for being with us, Jennifer. It's my joy. Now, do you prefer Jen or Jennifer? Prefer Jen. That's what I thought. I'm just, <laughs> I was being so formal. That's okay. And then I was like, I don't even think she goes by Jennifer. So Jen. Anyways, well, we are going to be talking about something that you know well because of your work, mm-hmm. training and equipping women. So before we even start, what does that mean to you? What is it when you think of training and equipping women? Where does your mind go? Yeah. I think there's a lot of different ways women can be trained and equipped, right? They can be trained in the church. It can be a woman-to-woman model. It can also be a formal education model, and I think there's room for both. So when I think of training and equipping women, I think of the Great Commission. I think that's where my mind goes, where it's teaching them to observe all that God's commanded them. Mm -hmm. So even thinking through Colossians 1, 28, of teaching everyone and trying to present everyone mature in Christ. So it's looking at how can we help women be disciples of Jesus Christ that leverage all that they are in every area of their lives for Him. So head, heart, hands. We want their thinking. We want their feeling. And we want their living to be for Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? How do we do this practically? I know there's you have spent most of your time probably working this out in the context of a seminary or university. Would that be correct? Yes, that's true. Okay, so let's go there. For women who are listening and who would be Mm -hmm. in that context, how does it work itself out in there, that context? Yeah, I think 
there's a benefit to the classroom in some ways is it can be a systematic and thorough education. So when we grow in knowing who our God is and what he's done and and his character, that's going to impact all of our life. And there's ways that that can be done in a classroom or in a program that are more systematic. Um, But also I think even in the formal education, there's also this life-on-life aspect that has to be there Mm -hmm. um, because Christianity is very relational. Absolutely. And everything isn't just taught in a lecture, but it's also caught in a lot of ways. Yeah. So would you encourage any woman who is to even take one course? Do you think that would be beneficial? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So if a woman was listening and she's like, where do I start? What would you encourage her? Where would she, where should she start? Yeah, I think there are so many resources available online. Most seminaries and programs have online classes now that are even conducive to women have different stages of life. Right. We have different <laughs> availability. We have different resources. Um, so I think looking into a good like Bible teaching seminary near you or even a Bible college, a lot of them have resources. But I think there are a lot of ways that you can access those resources and training that aren't even formal educational pursuits. Yeah, Simeon Trust has some workshops. I've done one, and I know the Gospel Coalition has a women's network now, and I I see a lot more of these one-weekend events that aren't—they're not going to be training you necessarily on a systematic theology or some some kind of law—Old Testament, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to look at one book or one— genre or what they're going to look at one thing and just teach you how to read the Bible. Yep. Which I think is essential mm-hmm. for training and equipping. Yeah. Um and and so what what do you see or how do you see this affecting the local church context? Training and equipping. Training and equipping is what you mean. Um I think one way it affects the local church is to have a local church, the whole body has to be healthy, right? The whole mm-hmm. body has to be trained. So even thinking through in Corinthians where Paul's talking about gifting, right? Gifting was given to the church to benefit one another. It's not just for yourself. Right. So he talks about like, can the eye, I might get this a little bit off, but can the eye say to the hand, for instance, like, I don't need you. Right. Absolutely not. And so I think in the local church, we have to be mindful that we're equipping both men and women. Um, God created two genders for his glory, and in order for the gospel to go forth and in order for people to be discipled, we have to be equipping both. So sometimes I think in the local church, that's more—it's less creating new programs, but more a mindset hmm, that's of good. What, what are we praising and valuing? Are we proclaiming that theology is for women, too? Are we training hmm. women how to study the Bible? Are we understanding women's unique seasons. So I was talking to one lady who the pastor in her church was trying to be really thoughtful of families and said, oh, so we'll do women's Bible study on Wednesday nights and men's Bible study on Wednesday nights (sighs) so that families are only taken away from their homes one night a week. And I was really thankful for that pastor who was seeking out the advice of an older woman in the church because she was able to say to him, That's nice in theory, and I'm glad you're thinking about your people. But one thing you probably haven't thought of is that that means that no women will come. Yes. They're going to be home with the kids. Exactly. Um, So I think sometimes it's it's just even that. It's 
a recognition that the whole body needs to be trained and a willingness to hear from women so that they're not excluded, not on purpose. I don't think pastors try to do that on purpose. Sure, absolutely. So you've got to think about, okay, if you're going to do some kind of training program, you need to have women speaking into into it if you're going to try to equip and train both everyone, everyone in the— because Mm -hmm. I think about there's some Bible studies that are in the morning. Well, what is that for the working woman? Yeah. Or um, you can't get to it. Right. And so you've got to think through, okay, how can you serve the body in a whole, Mm -hmm. as a whole, and not isolate people? Yes. Because it can be isolating if you can't ever get to whatever this is that— Right. Yeah, that they're providing. But one of the things that I hear you saying is that both men and women need to have some sort of training. And often in churches, I I think we can focus on the men, Mm -hmm. or we can have women's ministries that are a silo. The right word. They're 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 their own thing. Doing their they're they're almost like a parachurch ministry. Yes. So how can we guard against those? Mm temptations, either for only men to be trained or for the women to to have their kind of ministry apart from the local church, mm-hmm. parachurch ministry, which, by the way, parachurch ministries are good and helpful yes. and useful, but in the local church, mm-hmm. when it's supposed to be apart, how do we, how do we keep, how, what kind of, mm-hmm. from what you've seen and experienced, because you've probably, I'm assuming, talked to several different mm-hmm programs and churches. What what advice would you give? Yeah, I think in some ways it starts with the church leadership. So it starts with elders and pastors saying, this is important to us. And we have a responsibility to the women in our congregation. So we're not going to let women's ministry just be off there, something we don't have to think about. Right. But like a, a purposeful shepherding of those areas. And even oh, for leadership in the church to be identifying women with gifting. No, that's good. Um, and and building them up and training them so that they it benefits their leadership because those women can then be training other women and right. they're not left off on their own. But I think it also has to do with women's ministry. I heard once a senior pastor saying that he was very scared of women's ministry because it often mm. seemed divisive or on its own or its own agenda. And I think we have to recognize as women that we are different in some ways. And there's, there's a benefit to having women's ministry, but our women's ministry, even though it's specific to women, should be concerned with serving the whole church. Absolutely. No, and that's supporting really leadership. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it takes two, yeah. which is what we're talking about, better yeah. together. I do want to put some feet on this and get really practical because we keep using the word training. Women training, other women in training. What are we talking about? Are we talking about and you've you we've used scripture, but what is it? What could it look like? Yeah. So, give an, a vision for what this training might look like. Yeah, that's a good question. I haven't thought about that as much because I've been in the university context. But I think it would be holding Bible studies that aren't just teaching from the Bible, but are really training women how to study the Bible for themselves, for themselves okay. and how to replicate that with others. Um, I know there are so many women in the church, and they might not want to be called older women, but they're older than uh, some of the women in the church who feel like they're not qualified to disciple the younger women. I've had lots of women leave 
college and try to pursue discipleship in the church. And the older women are like, why do you want to hang out with me? Mm. I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what discipleship is. So I think it starts with training somebody how to study the Bible, but then also training them what their role is in the body to other believers. Mm -hmm. So teaching them, what do you do with an hour? If you have an hour with the younger woman, Mm. what do you do with them? No, that's good. That's good. So we have to be really intentional. Yes. We can't just—this isn't just going to happen on its own. Yes. We have to be thoughtful, intentional, and then um, making sure that we're resourcing ourselves and and we know what is available. If we're not going to build the curriculum or the teaching, or mm-hmm. we've got to to really um, be aware of what's, what is out there. And I think that's something that, from speaking to other women, pastors— may often just leave it to the women to, mm-hmm. to decide rather than getting their feet wet and researching also. So I, I think one of the things that in order to for this to, to happen well and healthy, the men have to be involved. Yes. Yeah. And so we can't, you can't kind of uh, let your women just do whatever mm-hmm. and forget about them. Yes. Um, because you're shepherding the whole flock. Correct. Yeah. So um, I just, well, better together. This is the theme of this series. How can we do this better together? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of unity, right? Like a lot of similarities between men and women as far as we're all human. Right. And so there's a lot of ways that things won't have to be specific to one or another. Absolutely. Where we're going to be built up all together and taught in the same way. But then I think better together, I think we have to be celebrating the the diversity too and the differences and saying we actually need each other. Men need women and women need men, even in in the way we're understanding Scripture or in the way we're able to communicate trials or challenges that are different from one another. Um, So I think that means cheerleading on both sides as Mm. well. What what you praise becomes the culture. That's really good. So I think it's— Men seeing women and encouraging them and what how God's using them in the church and women doing the same for men. No, that's excellent. So it's it's what we see in scripture, the one another is there to honor one another, encourage one another, to love one another, to not put a stumbling block in the way of one another. So there's something to that, huh? <laughs> and we need to be thinking about it together, both men mm-hmm. and women. Okay, so earlier t- you had mentioned women taking seminary Mm. classes. What if she wants to, but she's financially strapped? She just can't. Do you have any encouragement for women who have a desire to educate themselves in greater ways, but just financially, it's they don't have the resources? Yeah. Before I speak to that, can I speak to maybe seminaries and male leaders and pastors and people who do have the resources. Of course. Because that is a real issue. Women often don't have the financial support or the means to do it. Even in my research, I found that women were the ones that were having a hard time figuring out how to pay the seminary bills. Um, So I would just say to them, recognize that it's harder for women sometimes to get there and start creating pathways for them to get there. No, that's that's exactly right. In order for us to know where the problem lies. If, if so many of these programs are focused on men mm-hmm. and training men, then um, they are 
naturally yeah. going to have resources for men. Yeah. But if we have a desire to also train women, then we need to be thinking, okay, well, how can we make it possible yeah. for them to do this and not put a, a another barrier, another hurdle that they have to jump over. So thank you. That's a good word. Exactly. But for the women, I would say for those who don't have the resources but would desire those things, I'm really encouraged that we live in a day where there is a hunger for that. Yeah. And where there's a lot of word-based resources. That women's ministry, I think, really has moved over the last couple decades I think to right. value the right things. And so, and with the internet, there's so many more res- resources available to you. So Seminary hasn't always existed, and it may not always exist. Right. But discipleship and using our minds for the glory of God will always exist. Yes. So we can be lifelong learners, and I would say use the resources that are out there. Find, first of all, learn to study the Bible. I know I'm going to be a lifelong learner in that for the rest of my life. Yes. You can't plumb the depths. No. Um, But then there's also other good resources out there. Find a woman who's farther along in the faith than you and— Find ways to hang out with her, whatever that may be. And I think plug into your local church because that's where your giftings are going to be discovered and and expressed and where you can grow. That's perfect. And I would say one last thing is take opportunities. I think sometimes we can be hesitant. I know I can be—I can say there's somebody else or I'm not ready— but I think we learn as we're doing it, and we our faith is stretched, and we need the Lord in that. So take opportunities. No, that's great. And I am glad you took this opportunity to chat with me because you have such wisdom to share with women. And so with that, I want us to end thinking on the gospel mm-hmm. because I know that there are people who are discouraged mm-hmm. in this area. They want the training. They don't feel the support. They don't have the finances. Whatever it is, it's it's a discouragement mm-hmm. to them. So how can you encourage women who are listening and or pastors too? How can we yeah. encourage in, with a gospel hope on this, yeah. Well, I think the gospel tells us that everything that we're experiencing today isn't ideal, right? It That's actually good. even goes farther and says that it's actually broken. Mm. But I think we can have gospel hope as we recognize things aren't the way they were created to be, mm-hmm. and things aren't the way that they will always be. Mm. And so I would say press into the truth of God's word and his promises. And trust Him. Even though we aren't in perfect circumstances, we are in a place where we can flourish because that's what God does for His people. Yeah. And so I was—I I just think of like Psalm 37, trust in the Lord and do good, mm. befriend faithfulness, mm. trust in Him and He will act. Mm. Or Psalm 34 talks about he, he sees us and He answers our prayers and those who look to Him are radiant yeah. and their faces aren't going to be ashamed or— Romans 5 speaks about what suffering produces. And so you might be having a hard time right now, but he's using that to produce endurance and character and hope. Hope that won't put us to shame. Well, thank you so much for this. And I, um, yeah, I'm encouraged. I'm inspired. And I just, I, I think that's the perfect way to end, just to think of the hope of the gospel and that God is, um, for us, with us, hearing us, and he's not going to put us to shame. So, Amen. so yeah, so we can rest in that. Well, thank you so much for joining us for the ERLC podcast. I'm Trillia Newbell, and you've been listening to our series, Better Together. <laughs> <laughs>